James chapter 1, 1 and 2. James, the servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy. Can you say that with me? Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Well, there it is in black and white. James boldly and honestly proclaimed that you and I will fall into divers temptations or trials and tests. The word temptation does not mean allurement to sin. The word temptation there translates as a trial or a test uh, within our life. But he gives a caveat to that. He goes on and says, when you fall into various trials, when various uh, temptations come your way, he said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. To me, that sounds like an oxymoron. So with that being said, we can say tonight that stress and anxiety are predictable. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. Stress and anxiety are predictable. James is basically telling us in your life, in the pathway of your life, no matter where you are, whenever you are, trials and, and tests are going to come your way. And invariably, since we go through trials and we go through testing, that means that stress and anxiety will not be far away. It's hard to have a test or a trial without some type of anxiety coming our way. Notice he said, if, he did not say if you fall into various trials. He said, when you fall into various trials and tests along the way. So again, stress and anxiety, they are predictable. I remind you, this means that no matter what course of life you've chosen for yourself, stress and anxiety will follow. Stress and anxiety are predictable. Will you say it with me one more time? Stress and anxiety are predictable. Uh, they are predictable, inevitable, inescapable, and no matter who you are, they are unavoidable as well. Now, some of us deal with stress and anxiety better than others deal with stress and anxiety, but the truth of the matter is, we all have to deal with it in one way or another. As we mentioned last week during the introduction, it's mentioned that all, all, all people go through stress, whether it be at home, whether it be on the job, or whether it be in school. All ages of people go through stress, from little children all the way through the, the, the teenage years where they can't walk down the road and chew bubble gum at the same time, when they got more acne than they got anything else. And, and you know those days, remember those days. Uh, there's also stress and anxiety uh, during college years, during the midlife crisis, and also in these formative years they call the golden age years as well. There's not a segment of our life that we will be evaded away from uh, the stress and anxiety that comes our way. My dear old great-grandmother, if I remember correctly, she passed away at the age of 96, and she dealt with stress and anxiety until the day that she died. One of my grandmothers, I believe that stress and anxiety, not knowing how to deal with it properly, uh, put her, we pay the light bill, put her uh, in a premature grave uh, equally as well. Stress and anxiety are predictable, and it can happen to every one of us. Why? It happens because life happens. Stress and anxiety happen simply because life happens. But how do we handle it? That, my friend, is the cue, is the clue. Not do we avoid it, not can we run away from it, but it's coming. How do we handle it? Guess what? Stress and anxiety is coming your way tomorrow. Yay! It happens. 
Well, I'm going to go somewhere they preach something positive. This is positive. Every year when I get my ordination from the Assemblies of God, we have to send in our whatever, and they send us a little card. It's good for a year. And it says on there that uh, the General Council of the Assemblies of God, my name is hereby uh, uh, recognized by the Executive Presbytery of the General Council of the Assemblies of God as a minister of the gospel. And it's signed by the powers that be. And it's valid for the one year with all the professional numbers on it, telephone number and everything else. But on the back, it's always intrigued me. On the back is a helpline for an emergency counselor. On the back is a helpline for Emerge Ministries, for mental health counseling, whatever it may need. I look at this every year and go, boy, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a phenomenal year. I'm going to need these people somewhere in the course of my life. Are you with me? They're just being honest with you, and I thank God for the free service that's there if and when we need it. But what I'm trying to say is they recognize the fact that ministry is stressful. And they recognize the fact that life is stressful. And I don't care how spiritual we think we are or how spiritual we think we're going to become, life is stressful. There's pressures in your world and there's pressures in mine as well. Now, well-meaning family and friends often tell us, stay away from stress-related activities. Really? Really? How can we do that? We have to work. We have to raise our family. We have to put food on the table. We have jobs we've got to contend with. We deal with people that are build stress up in our life. You build stress up in my life. I build stress up in your life. Come on, do we not build stress up in each other's life sometimes? Circumstances and predicaments of life. Stress and anxiety are a major part of every aspect of our life, and we know that to be true. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us we're going to have a stress-free problem. Friends, there's a lot of things that bring stress. Driving the car in Lakeland, Florida will bring a tremendous amount of stress to you. Going to an airport and standing in the line will bring stress to you. I watch the news and I get stressed out. Are you with me? There's a lot of things that just simple things of life that adds undue stress and anxiety, not just the big things, but some of the small things of life. But nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that life will be stress-free, worry-free, or free of anxiety. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that life will be easy, that life will be carefree, or void of sickness, or disease, or problems, or bankruptcies, or heart attack. Nowhere does the Bible say that because we're Christians that we won't be touched by death, and by, by, by the sting of death, and by the grief, and by the problems that come our way. Some people believe and teach that Christians never experience any type of anxiety whatsoever. We don't have any problem whatsoever. We live at the foot of the cross, bless God, and I'm an overcomer and more than a conqueror. You don't find that taught here. And there are many people who say we can live that way, but friend, I don't find that anywhere taught in the Word of God. Jesus never promised us that we would have smooth sailing in this world. But I do believe he promised we will have a safe landing on the other side in the world that is to come. In the meantime, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Sometimes I think we often overuse the word stress. 
With that being said, I hear people say, I'm stressed out. That simply means because they have a lot of stuff placed upon their plate. Others people say, oh, I'm, I feel stress in my body because of the workload uh, that we often have before us. And someone defines stress as the rate of wear and tear upon our body. Stress, the, 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 the amount of weight and tear that's placed upon our body. With that being said, the goal of life is not to avoid stress. The goal of life, brothers and sisters, uh, is not to run away from it, but to understand that stress and anxiety are a part of our life. Therefore, we must learn how to deal with stress and anxiety, or if we don't, it's going to deal with us. Are you with me? We've got to learn how to deal with it. Now, there are many stress factors to deal with just at work, and that's not counting all the things that pulls on us at home or at church or in other activities that we go through. Projects, deadlines, snail mail, email, telephone calls, projects to do, agendas to put together, seminars to prepare for. The responsibilities are endless. We feel pressure at home. Spending time with our spouse is not always easy. Where do you find the time to do it? Spending time with those precious kids, we want to so desperately, but sometimes it's hard to find time to do it. What about a sick one or loved one in the, in the hospital? When do you find the time to go in the nursing home? When do you go time to visit? I remember a friend of mine years ago lived within a mile from where the nursing home where his mother was at. Do you ever get to see your mama much? No, not really. He said, by the time I work, come home and eat my dinner, watch three hours of TV, the day's gone. Sometimes we have time, we don't simply take the time we have. We all feel like, or we have felt like taxi cabs, have we not? At home, driving our kids to this game, to that practice, to this rehearsal, to this recital, to this practice, to this ballet, to the list goes on and on, all the student activities, and then the homework. You ever do homework with your kids? I remember those days. That stressed me out when the third grader knew more than I did. Anybody else? It stresses you out. I remember a bumper sticker I read one time. It said, I have one nerve left and you're standing on it. I think we've all been there from time to time as well. With everything pulling for our time and our attention, when do we take time for ourselves? We have no time to exercise. We have no time to run. We have no time to ride our bicycles. Or do we? And we just don't take the time because we're so stressed just thought of doing one more thing aggravates us. So we get in that lazy boy and we ride back and we go into our shell and we get bigger and bigger and depressed more so than ever before. We don't have time to read the book we want to read. We don't have time to do what we want to do that we think will bring more and more relaxation to our minds. And here's another thing. Spending time with God in prayer and spending time with God in Bible study often goes to the back burner. And somehow we think, God, you truly will understand. But the fact that we're not spending the time with God in prayer and in worship and in Bible study, that just adds more stress and anxiety to our already overloaded stress and anxiety life in which we have. For some people, the retreat is the bathtub. For some people, the retreat is the shower. And as long as we can be in that place of privacy for 15 or 20 minutes, that's how we deal with stress. Anybody out there like that? Oh, yes, we have a few honest folk. Why is life so stressful today? I mean, after all, we have all the modern-day appliances and all these modern-day gadgets to make our life supposedly more stress-free. We have the electric dishwasher. 
Ladies, you have the electric washing machine and the dryer. There's an electric stove, electric oven, a microwave, electric can opener, electric toaster, an electric frying pan. There's an air fryer. We have riding lawnmowers. We have electric weed eaters, electric trimmers, everything. And yet with all these gadgets that's supposed to make our life stress-free, we probably have more stress today than any other generation that's ever lived. If we're stressed out with all the modern-day conveniences, how stressed would we be without them? And what did they do in the frontier days when they had none of these things whatsoever? We still experience stress and anxiety because there's often unreal expectations placed upon us, demands are placed upon us today at work and in society in general. Conflict is always expected when you're dealing with people. I don't care how long a family's been together. I don't care how long a staff has been together at work. There will always be conflict that will emerge somewhere at some time with any of those relationships that you possibly have. As you work with others, as good as that team may be, there will be inevitably some conflict along the way. It happened in the early church. It's happened in churches all around the world. It happens in businesses every day of our life. And families are no exception either. It's stressful. I read a story years ago about a man that was marooned on an island. He was all by himself. And he was there for a number of years until he was rescued. And once he was rescued, uh, the rescuers came by and he said, Before I go, I want to show you how I lived. And he went through and showed them how he lived and how he cared for himself and, and how he provided. And he walked over and said, Now this is the house where I made I lived in. And this is the store where I put all of my groceries when I, when I, when I uh, hunt down for it. And over here is the hospital that I had with some first aid equipment. And over here is the church I attended. And the guy said, What's this other building? He said, Oh, that's the church I used to go to. He couldn't even get along with himself. Stress-related. Stress is predictable in every one of our lives. With that being said, let me say that stress can be good for us. Did you hear me? Stress can be good for us because it takes us to a different level in meeting different challenges in life. There are times a little bit of stress can serve as a motivation to move us out of our comfort zone into doing something otherwise we may not want to do. I, I illustrate it this way. There's an old man I read about years ago that was when Abraham Lincoln uh, was, going, uh, was, was campaigning uh, for one of his offices. And he walked up on an old farmer that had an old mule that was nothing but a bag of bones. And a big old horsefly was up on the ear of that old mule. And Abe took out his big old hat, got ready to swat the fly off of that horse. And the old man said, no, 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 don't do that, Abe. And the guy and Abraham Lincoln said, why? He said, it's that horsefly is the only thing that keeps that mule moving. And sometimes that's what stress does. A little bit of stress can keep us moving and get us out of our comfort zone and bring us to the next level of our life. But too much stress is detrimental to us physically, emotionally as well as spiritually. So stress has physical consequence that, is, that, that will affect our body if we do not deal with stress in the correct manner. Now as we mentioned last week, we all feel some stressful situation. Our body begins to run off of adrenaline. We're supposed to run off of endorphins, but like I said last week, it often runs off of endorphins in our body. And that, adorphin, or that, that, that adrenaline is pumped into our bloodstream. The infusion of additional adrenaline prepares us to fight or prepares us to flee. And if we don't do either, 
then that adrenaline that's not used, it absorbs into our bodies. And as it absorbs into our bodies, uh, it, it can cause high levels of, 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 uh, uh, of, of over a long period of time. It uh, can cause uh, serious health problems like high blood pressure and arthritis and diabetes and heart disease and ulcers and chronic backaches and headaches along with other physical problems. Stress can also have mental implications to it as well. Have you been so stressful you can't think right? Have you been so stressful you, you, you make wrong decisions because of the stress and the anxiety that you're under? Friend, depression is real. And many of us are more depressed than we want to admit to. I read today that September is Suicide Prevention Month. And I read about a 27-year-old girl that seemed to be the life of the party. She was a tremendous high school athlete. She went on to college. The picture of her had her driven the basketball smiling she took her life because of depression. Depression is a killer. And what we do not express outwardly, we will depress inwardly, and that causes more anxiety, and that causes more stress upon our life. If we're not careful, the pressures can do to us the very same thing that it did to the prophet Elijah. He was so depressed that he ran from the Lord, he ran from his ministry, and he went and he hid from anything and everybody he could, and there he just wanted to die. And brothers and sisters, if we're not careful, we can run from our problems and run from our anxiety and run from our stress and get under our own juniper tree, and there we are, feel like we're nothing to anybody. Never make, a good, never make decisions when you're depressed, when you're full of stress and full of anxiety. Even though stress is predictable part of life, it doesn't have to be our enemy. Now, I've already answered this altar call a couple times today, okay? Please understand that. I deal with stress crazy like you do. I deal with anxiety crazy like you do. And I need this probably more than you need it. But stress does not have to be our enemy. Stress can be our friend. That sounds strange. For that to happen, we must rise to the physical challenge it brings. God does not expect us to work harder than He did. God worked for six days creating the world, and He rested on the seven. God took a day off. Can you say amen? amen? God took a day off. What does that mean? We can take a day or two off. The world is going to continue to revolve if you're six feet on top of it or six feet underneath it. The world is going to continue to rotate. And when you and I pass off this planet, guess what? The job's going to keep on going, the church is going to keep on surviving, and life's going to keep on going. Right before my dad died, he asked my mom, he said, what will you all do when I die? And mom replied to him and said, well, June, we just want to keep on living. May not be what he wanted to hear, but there was the truth. Well, my mom and my dad are both there. What are we going to do? Just want to keep right on living. That's all we got is life. And life is not what we get out of it. Life is what we will put into it. And we're going to meet stress head on, friend, but we got to understand that stress indeed is a part of our life. Many of us work so much and so hard that we forget our bodies are not machines. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Many of us battle with physical problems. They stem from poor diet, lack of rest, lack of sleep, and lack of exercise. Our business seems to be a badge of honor. Think about that. Our business seems to be a badge of honor for all to see. In the meantime, 
it's killing us before our time. Don't do as I do. <laughs> do as I say. I'm serious. I've answered this altar call in my own heart. Because, friend, I can't keep doing what I've always done. I can't keep burning the candle at both ends. It's a work ethic that I've always had all my life. I can't do it. I told the board a couple months ago, I said, guys, I've cut from 60 hours to 50. I'm thinking about going from 50 to 40. And my wife says, when are you going to kick the 50 in? Well, I'm going to try to kick them in. Are you with me? Amen. Isaiah said, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Not only should we rise to the challenge of physical and mental rest, we should also rise to the challenge of spiritual rest as well. It's not just to have the mental rest, not just enough to have the physical rest. We also need spiritual rest. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm glad you asked me. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Apostle Paul knew something about stress and anxiety because he said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here were two men, Jesus and Paul. They knew what it was to live. They knew what it was to be torn. They knew what it was like to have enemies from within and from without, but both were able to say there is a peace, there is a rest in the midst of all the anxiety that we go through in life. Do we really take the time to rest in this day and age? Now, I'll be honest with you. I have a hard time knowing how to rest. I stayed home this morning for a couple hours longer than I normally do, had some visits on the south end, one of the folk got out of bed before it took off. I knew it was going to be a long day today, and I'm pacing the floor back and forth, looking out the window, looking out the door. Back, why? I don't know what to do with myself. That's wrong. I should rest. Learn to rest, just to be still and know that He's God. Not just rest physically, not just to rest mentally, but to rest spiritually. I'm going to tell you something. You may think I'm an idiot, and that's fine. There have been many nights I've got on my knees on my bedside and I've gone to sleep in prayer. I may sleep for 15 or 20 minutes. I was praying and my mind just took off. I just and I'd wake and say, Lord, I'm not really sorry because I went to sleep in your presence, but I thank you for the rest that you brought to me spiritually. Now you may think that's crazy, that's fine. But just about, you say, well, your mind wasn't in your prayer. Your heart wasn't in your prayer. Well, maybe it wasn't. It started out that way and I got tired and went to sleep. But there was a rest. Does that make sense? There was just a rest in the presence of the Lord. Tiredness and frustration, hear me. Tiredness and frustration can lead to stress and anxiety. As you read the gospel, you find that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who had the most important job of any person ever put his feet upon this earth, to seek and save that which was lost, to destroy the works of the devil, and yet he took time away from work, time away from people, time away from stressful things to be by himself. Did he not? 
Notice what the scripture says about him. That's a good practice for us to follow. He got away from everything and he got away from everybody. I talked to a man yesterday and I'm not going to tell you his name because we all know him, but he told me, he said, if it wasn't for people, I wouldn't have no high blood pressure. I just don't like people. And I said, well, you are a people. How many people do you give high blood pressure to? But Jesus got away from everything and Jesus got away from everybody. Did he not? And he only had three years of ministry. And he took more vacations in those three years than many of us will take in a lifetime. Short, restful sabbaticals. That's a good practice to follow. Schedule personal time for yourself. And don't feel guilty of it. Schedule personal time, maybe in the morning or or mid-morning or at lunch or in the mid-afternoon, or after dinner, or even at night. Just some personal time just for yourself to get away from people, get away from the telephone, to get away from everything and everybody, and just rest in the Lord. It'll do you a world of good mentally, physically, emotionally, as well as spiritually. Some of us don't deal with stress. We simply think it'll go away, and therefore stress is dealing with us. Let me say it again. Many times we don't deal with stress. We just try to avoid it or run away from it. And therefore stress is dealing with us. Years ago when my wife and I went to Hawaii, I think it was for her 30th birthday, I can't remember. My 40th, I guess. It's been a long time ago. And we went to a place on the big island. And you go south for like an hour or so driving. And the guy told me, he said, that's the furthest south you can go in the United States of America. It's a place of nowhere. People go there often, but there's only one problem. You have to come back. And that's what it's like. If we don't learn to deal with the stress, it's always going to be there. So we've got to learn how to deal with it. Take time for yourself. Rest emotionally, physically, and spiritually as well. Each of us will experience the temptation. And once you hear this, each of us will experience the temptation to stumble or sin. Each of us will also uh, have the temptations of life uh, that will that, experience trials and tests outwardly that will cause us to stand firm or cause us to, 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 to fly. Fight or fly, you with me? So there's temptations within and there's trials without. Temptations within leads us away from God. Trials without should draw us closer to God. James tells us here, he used the word that means an outward trial or test. None of us are immune from outward trials and tests of life, but they can and they will create stress in our lives. We never outgrow them, quite the contrary. The older we become as Christians, the more mature we become as Christians, the more severe can be the inward temptation and the outward trials. Please understand that. When we're first saved, we go through trials and tests, but they're nothing compared to the trials and tests and temptations that we face as we become an older Christian and a more mature Christian in the world. We see this true of men and women in the Bible. Some of the greatest stress-related battles came later in their walk with God, not when they first started out walking uh, with the Lord. For instance, look at Moses. We understand that Moses, God used him to lead the nation of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. God used him to to have the death angel to come over and to kill the firstborn of all the Egyptians, males. God used him to part the Red Sea. 
God used him to defeat the Egyptian army. God used him uh, to lead the nation into the wilderness where they were led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God used him miraculously uh, to see the manna come down from heaven to feed them uh, throughout the day. Yet the people murmured and complained against him and they tried his patience. So what did he do? Moses struck a rock rather than speak to the rock. And as a result of that, he perverted the type of Christ. What do I mean by that? Moses paid for his mistake. This came late in the ministry of Moses, not early in it. Look at David. David, the man after God's own heart. David was a man that stood before the Goliath of the world and severed his head. David was the man uh, that did great exploits for God. But it was only when David got on the throne later in his career did he royally mess up and sinned in the face of God. What about Peter? He had proven his loyalty to Jesus again and again and again and again. But the last night of Christ's life upon this earth, Peter blew it. The last night of, of, of Christ's life upon this earth, he denied he even knew the Lord Jesus Christ and cursed. Each of these men, Moses, David, and Peter, they dealt with stress and they dealt with anxiety because of their failure because of their stumble, because of their messing up. And church, if it happens to them, does it not happen to you? Let's be real tonight. We are not perfect people. We still succumb to the inward temptations that lead to sin, and we still succumb to the outward battles that come our way time and time again. And when we cave in, when we give in, when we sin, when we miss the mark, when we fall short, stress and anxiety comes our way. And we think the more we beat ourselves up and the more we condemn ourselves and the more we do those things, the worse it becomes in our life. Can y'all hear me out there for the rain? No matter how long you walked in your Christian journey, you're going to be faced with stress and anxiety. And the sooner we admit it, the sooner that we realize it, and the sooner we can deal with it correctly. James said we should consider it a pure joy when you fall into various tests and trials. Let that sink in. Joy in tests and trials. That dude swims a little bit deeper than I do. How about you? How do we come to a place where there can be joy in the test and the trial? First of all, no, it's going to come. Stress and anxiety is coming your way. It is predictable. We don't know when. We don't know by whom. We don't know how long it's going to stay, but it's coming. So we prepare ourselves and say, hey, it's going to happen, so I'm going to have joy in the midst of this thing. How do we do that? Well, I hope we can try to help you tonight. Notice, if you will, the Greek word used here is only found three times in the New Testament, and it's used in the context of the man walking down the Jericho Road. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And by the way, when he said he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he went down. He went down. I mean, he went down. I forget how far Jericho is below sea level, whereas Jerusalem's up pretty high. So he went down, okay, in just a matter of miles. He went and, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. The man simply was minding, minding his business, walking down to, to, to Jericho, and all of a sudden, bam! 
He didn't see it coming. He didn't know what was going to happen. He was minding his own business. He was surrounded and confronted with unexpected trouble. There was no warning. There was no sirens. There was no tug of the Holy Spirit said, look out, here it comes. There was no bells to ring, no whistles to blow. Trouble simply fell upon him unexpectedly. That's the same Greek word that James uses when he said here to describe how often we're met with stressful trials and tests. We fall into various trials. Stress and anxiety are predictable as long as we live on this side of eternity. Do you believe that? Stress and anxiety are predictable as long as we live on this side of eternity. Have we all walked that road? Everything seems to be going well. Hunky dory, man. Work is great. Family life is good. Church is wonderful. And the kids are angelic. And then out of nowhere, boom, got laid off from work. Family's got some riffles in it. Churches begin to murmur and complain. And those angelic kids are now demon-possessed. And all of a sudden, the roof begins to leak and the automobile begins to tear up. An unexpected sickness in the home. A death comes our way we didn't bargain for. What happened? How did it spin out of control so fast? And how did it spin out of control so furious? How do we respond to this stress and to this anxiety. Oh, when you're standing here tonight talking about this, it's going to be easy. But when life hits the road, when the rubber hits the road, and what we're talking about becomes the reality, it is then that we say, God, how do I deal with this stress? And how do I deal with this anxiety? I'm smiling good when the sun is shining. But now the rain is falling down upon my head. And Johnny Raincloud, I have become. How do I deal with it? We're talking about reality. Right before my mother died, she was in the hospital and had the BiPAP machine on. They were getting ready to send her to rehab. And as we got ready to go to rehab, they said when she gets out of rehab, she will have to have a BiPAP machine in order to get the carbon dioxide out of her, her lungs. They gave me a number. I called up the company that had it. I called up the company. Oh, everything's hunky-dory. We'll have it to your house as soon as she gets out. No problem. I'll call you back tomorrow. That was a Wednesday night. They did not call back on Thursday. I called, I believe, three times. Never could get anyone. Finally, around 5 o'clock that evening, I got a representative who said, Oh, the person you want works out of the home. I said, Then ring her number, please. Got on the phone and said, I'm so sorry, but your mother does not qualify for a BiPAP machine. She lives in Virginia. This is only for Florida. I said, but she is moving in with us. She has my home address. She'll be here for an undisclosed period of time. Can't do it. Why? Wrong address. I said, ma'am, understand. She's moving here. Her mail will be transferred here. She will be living with us in Florida. Can't do it. I'm sorry. And I said, no, ma'am, you're not sorry. You're just telling me that. I says, you're playing life and death with my mother. And I said, do you realize if she does not have the machine, she does not have any chance to live? That brought a stressful moment. 
When these stressful moments come, we either fight or we flee. The adrenaline begins to come, but we need to just be still and say, God, you've got this. It hit me by surprise. I am in shock. I am in a state of anger, whatever. But God, you've got this. I am being still and know that you are God and somebody's going to work it out. It's in doing those things, friend. I've been trying to do more and more and more of that. And I watch God just work wonders. She got the BiPAP machine. I won't go into all the story, but she got the BiPAP machine. God did it. How do we deal with this predictable stress that's going to be coming our way? And friends, it will. We can't escape it. We can't run from it. Therefore, we got to deal with it if we're going to survive and thrive. Now, we know that God's always testing us, is he not? God does not lead us to temptation, but he tests us. We have trials. We have joy, we're supposed to, when those times come. Why does he do it? To make our faith grow, to help our, our lives to be stronger. Life and what it deals with will make us or break us. Life and what deals with it will make us or break us. It'll harden some and hearten other people. Ask Abraham. God asked him to take his son, his only son, and sacrifice him. You think that's not stress? The God of all glory, the God of all creation, ask, sacrifice your son. Well, God didn't believe in burnt offerings like that. It was not Abraham's son, Isaac, that God wanted. God wanted Abraham's heart. You think God doesn't test us? Ask Joseph. Joseph, who was hated by his brothers, put into a pit, sold into slavery, uh, worked for a, favor, uh, 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 a man, and then all of a, a Potiphar, I think it was, and then all of a sudden accused of rape, thrown into jail, forgotten about in jail, and there you are to rot away in jail, and you're there all because God made you a promise, and now you think God has forgotten the promise he's made you. You think that's not stress? You think that doesn't bring anxiety? Yes, it does, and yes, it did. But how did they deal with it? God's greatest have suffered. You will suffer. This life is not fair, brothers and sisters. Amen. All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But friend, here's the point. It's not that we're the only ones that go through stress and anxiety. The world is full of stress and anxiety. It's how do we deal with it that makes us different from our unsaved neighbor. The way we deal with it makes us different from our unsaved co-worker. The way we deal with it makes it different than an unsaved loved one. How, if they see how we go through these things, what good is a salvation if it don't help me in my stressful time? What good is a salvation if it don't help me deal with the things I go through? It's the difference between a relationship and a religion. Amen. And God wants us to have a relationship with Him. All the New Testament writers had something to say about trials in one way or the other. Peter reminds us with these. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Christ. Peter knew what he was talking about. Been there, done that, and he learned from it. Notice that Paul understood what it was like to be with stress and anxiety. He too knew it was predictable. Listen to him. Serving the Lord with all humanity of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. 
Even Jesus did not escape the stress and anxiety associated with life. He said, Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, or in my trials, or in my tests. And talking about living with stress and anxiety, Jesus was always around hostile crowds, pulling at him, poking at him. Some loved him, most of them hated him. They demanded things from him. They accused him of things. They lied about him. They slandered him. They did all of these things. You tell me that wasn't stressful? So stressful in the Garden of Gethsemane in his prayer when he came face to face, eyeball to eyeball, with sin that he had never committed, and all of a sudden he's getting ready to drink the drugs of your sin and mine and the sins of the whole world. He was so stressful and so full of anxiety that when he sweat in prayer, drops of blood came out. That, my friend, is a broken heart. That, my friend, is a stressful place that not a one of us perhaps has ever been, nor will we ever be uh, within our own life. He almost was never stressed out, but we see him wringing his hands and worrying on the inside of that place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Look at the words he used. I am exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Words you would never think you'd hear coming from the Son of God, the Savior of the world. But he was at a foreign place in his life, for he had never sinned, never, never partook of sin. But now all of a sudden he becomes that. You think that's not stressful? If we get somebody else's, hypothetically, I, so, I co-sign for a loan of $100,000. The person goes default. That $100,000 bill comes to me. You think I'm not going to stress out? If you're not stressed out over a $100,000 bill that we have to pay, how much more stress did Jesus Christ go through in having the entire sins of the planet placed upon him? How did Jesus deal with those stressful situations? For one thing, he got away by himself an awful lot. He went to the mountains alone. He went to the wilderness alone. He went to the house of, uh, of uh, Lazarus and Martha and Mary to get alone. He'd get on the boat by himself and he'd go to sleep. Wherever he could go, he would go. If Jesus needed that, how much more do we need the R&R &R and the little sabbaticals from time to time? Now, I want to share something with you here that I hope will help you. There's a study done by the Hartford Medical School on the importance of prayer as it relates to reducing the impact of stress hormones in your body and mind. The report given by Dr. Hubert Benson said, and I quote, repetitive prayer slows a person's heart and breathing rates. It lowers blood pressure and even slows brain waves, all without drugs and surgery, end of quote. There are even medical studies between how prayer can help heal the body just because that we're praying. It heals itself. John Hopkins University, the University of Pennsylvania, Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis, Dartmouth Medical Center, the University of Miami, Duke University, and other medical centers all show that individuals who pray and attend church services regularly have higher survival rates and recovery from depression, alcoholism, hip surgery, drug addiction, stroke, rheumatoid arthritis, heart attacks, and bypass surgery. Dr. Cohen from Duke University says that prayer, and I quote, boosts morale, 
lowers agitation, loneliness, and life dissatisfaction, and enhances the ability to cope in men, women, and elderly, the young, the healthy, and the sick." End of quote. Time with God in prayer and thanksgiving benefit us spiritually, emotionally, and physically as well. Let me hasten. There's also scientific benefits to speaking in tongues. Yes, this thing is not of the devil. Speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence of having received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God has made provision for us to be whole, to be well, and to have access to healing process. There's a study done by Dr. Carl Peterson, medical doctor, and the study revealed that there is available healing power that can be released from our own bodies for its own benefit. Dr. Carl Peterson, MD, worked on the study at ORU in Tulsa, Oklahoma a few years ago. And being a brain specialist, he was doing research on what the relationship uh, was between the brain and praying or speaking in tongues. Here's some amazing things that were discovered. Through research and testing, he found out that as we pray in the Spirit or worship in the Spirit, that is, speak in tongues, there's an activity that begins to take place in our brain. As we engage in our heavenly language, the brain releases two chemical secretions that are directed into the immune systems, giving a 35 to 40 percent boost to the immune system. This promotes healing within our bodies. Amazingly, this secretion is triggered from a part of the brain that has no other apparent activity in humans and only activated by the Spirit, led by prayer, led by worship. Now science has proved the process and you and I can turn this healing process on by our relationship with our Heavenly Father. No wonder the Bible says, pray with understanding and pray in the Spirit. What's just one more reason to be full of the Holy Ghost of God? Just one more reason to be unapologetically uh, Pentecostal. Thank God uh, we can be filled with the Spirit and we can commune with our Heavenly Father in a language we've never learned. I'm here to tell you, there have been more times than one I have been so full of stress and so full of anxiety and I hit my knees full of stress and anxiety and I begin to pray in English and I get more stress and more anxiety on what to pray about and all of a sudden the waves of fear come, but I begin to pray in the Spirit. Amen. And it diminishes, thank God. It diminishes. It may come back to me when I get on my knees, but I say I go back to my knees again and pray in the Spirit. And watch God do some miracles along that way. According to the Holy Spirit speaking to the Apostle Paul, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. We've always been taught that speaking in tongues edifies ourselves uh, uh, spiritually, which is great. But here, according to the Christian psychiatrist, Carl Peterson describes physical edification also. Isn't God amazing? It's not just spiritual edification, but it's physical education as well. I thank God for that. Stress and anxiety, they are predictable. And friend, we better learn to deal with it before it deals with us. We all face trials of correction, and we all face trials of perfection. Jonah was on a boat in a storm facing a trial of correction. Paul was on a boat in a storm facing a trial of perfection. You with me? One was being corrected, the other's been perfected. A true test of Christian character may be shown by the way we respond or we react to stress and anxiety. Many Christians, professing Christians, will turn to drugs and alcohol. Some will turn to, to, to marijuana to bring comfort. 
some with social drink to try to bring, whatever. I'm going to tell you, if you're not going to learn to take it to Jesus. Now, that's not a cop-out. That's not a cop-out at all. That's what I think we should do. Take it to the Lord, casting our care, casting our anxiety upon Him. We'll be tested as believers in Jesus. And Paul reminds this when he wrote to the church of Corinth, There hath no temptation, no trial, no test taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, and He will with the temptation, the trial, the test, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. We may not be able to, to explain our trials and tests theologically or philosophically, but one thing's for sure, we want to meet them. They're going to come your way, they're going to come my way, and many of us right now, we're in the middle of it. No matter who you are, no matter, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter how spiritual think you are, or how long you've walked with Jesus, trials and tests are going to continue to come our way. No getting around it, no getting out of it. We're only going to go through it. Stress and anxiety will follow. They're predictable. It's not if they come, but when they come. And friend, we better get ready to deal with it, because if we don't, it's going to deal with us. Amen. Amen.